We are back. Another episode of R2C2. As CeCe and I find our rhythm here in the offseason, we get to chat with a man we had on one of our very first episodes about a year and a half ago. And he had us absolutely dying with laughter then. And he absolutely delivered that and more again today. He is as good a TV analyst as there has ever been in the history of sports. I get to work with him uh, a decent amount throughout the season on ESPN Telecast. And you are just going to love listening to the stories of Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, between his thoughts on different things going on with today's landscape, with Kevin Durant and whether or not he'll leave, and Jimmy Butler, his situation, can anyone beat the Warriors? If so, who? To stories of Charles Oakley and Michael Jordan and David Stern, JVG, better pronounced JVG, brought it like he always does. So uh, CeCe and I had a blast with this episode. We hope you enjoy it as well. Here is Jeff Van Gundy on R2C2. You know what? That's where we can start. You saw CeCe give up that half a million dollars just to drill that dude for his teammates, right? Exactly. And yeah. I was like, there's very few players that would do that. You know, only older, experienced, veteran guys who care deeply about their teammates would do something like that. And frankly, the business of sport makes you almost not want to do that. So when he did it, I was pumped. <laughs> you know? No, and it speaks yeah. to – then he's coming up on the top step, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah he I don't, I don't want to say what you were saying, but <laughs> but I liked it. I, th- I believe it was, that's for you, bitch. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. You know, it's, we went through it um, the, the other day. We finally got to uh, have, like, kind of CC go through what happened there. Um, and I was telling him, I'm like – as much as he's done in a Yankee uniform here, that's going to be towards the top of the list when it comes to like what people remember because it is. It's one of those moments. Yeah, and man. I don't like that though. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I, I you know, I, I did it to protect my teammate and all that stuff. But now, after the fact, I kind of just wish it to go away. Really? You know, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know. But, but well, well, I think baseball is different too, though. Like, you know, because you're taking a ball and and throwing it as hard as you do, you can hurt somebody. Right. 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 So. You can't be – you have to be pragmatic and pinpoint accuracy to make your point and not yeah, hurt somebody, if I right? Yeah, because if I throw that ball and I, and I throw it high, then I, then I miss the point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like the guy in Tampa Bay. So Right. You know, no, you're, you got, yeah, you, exactly you to, right. You have to, it has to be the right the right spot. You've been – throughout your career, though, you've been pretty good at that. At just like – I feel Later like, in my career. Early yeah. in my career, I, it was yeah, – it, it was – yeah, it was yeah. not so good. <laughs> I had a question, though. Did, did you know – it was going to cost you that money? I did. You did? Yeah. I knew. I knew See, that even makes it away. more impressive. <laughs> Isn't it? No, no. Yeah. Listen, because that, I don't care how, how much you've made along the way. Uh, when you give back that amount, <laughs> yes. when you give it back, you know, well, there's – I don't care how much you've made. That's a big time and statement. I, for I your thought team. my wife was going to be mad. She yeah. was excited. Too. Really? Yeah, she, she was. I was she thinking was that when Amber said, "You got a different wife than my wife." Because <laughs> <laughs> when I got into that, like, where uh, uh, I took a hunt, the largest fine for me, it was big. You know, it was like a hundred thousand dollars when I was coaching fine. the Rockets. Man, she was. I, I thought she was going to be like, "Hey, I, I feel bad," and she was like, "Coming after me." <laughs> <laughs> what did you get fined a hundred k for? Uh, 
referee. Referee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? How they officiated Yao in oh. the playoffs. Yeah. What did? You, but I mean, to get fined a hundred k, you must have like I, really gone. I'm after sure that. he went. I in. I oh. basically um, I was one step short of basically saying the fix was in against Yao. I mean, like, <laughs> I, was, I was like that one step. <clears throat> I didn't go. I didn't go that far, but I believed it in my mind. But I also said that someone in the league office. I said an official. And it, really, someone in the league office had tipped me that they were gonna. They had called. They were calling him differently. Wow! And so I, I said it, <laughs> and then I would not re- quote reveal my source. Oh, and that's where David Stern threatened to ban me for life if I didn't give up my source. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> what, you, what is this? The mafia? Come yeah, on, man! man. <laughs> you know, like, like, come on, man! Seriously. Oh, man. So what was that? Did he actually like? I'm, I'm trying to think. Was the series still going on oh, when yeah. you said it? Yeah. So it was, uh, uh, we were playing Dallas when I was in Houston, and we had a game to go up 3-1, and they had two uh, phantom illegal screen calls against Yao at the end. And they had told this, this official had told me, just be careful. Cuban sent in these clips, and they're coming, you know, for Yao. And so... He unfortunately he was right, and uh, the thing is now the rule is different. Now everybody like if you send clips in in a playoff series, um, they they the league then now tells you oh. what the other team sent in. So like if I say, you know, um, player X is traveling, they if they agree or disagree, they they let the other team know. So wow. yeah, because it was a little bit like back then um, it was a little bit, you know, you were always trying to work yeah. the league office, the refs. You know, like back when Riley and, and Phil Jackson used to coach against each other, every game was like this coach was fined twenty five thousand for saying, <laughs> you know, this you know, they're not calling this you know, so it's yeah, it's calmed down a lot. But I didn't know teams sent uh clips in of, yeah. of other like just, only for the playoffs or is that No, like- you can actually it happens you, you you could use it every game. I found it to be um I didn't I didn't feel it helped at all. In fact I thought it hurt at times that you were always complaining uh so I, I i i never or very very rarely did it only you know if i thought it was something egregious um now there's some teams that do it you know on a daily basis you know and um i i think but the transparency in the officiating now is so much uh different than it was back before the internet back before they had these referee websites <laughs> you know we they, these- no they were just rolling on their own many times <laughs> yeah. like you know like you know, and you would send him into Rod Thorne, you know, who used to be, you know, the Nets head honcho, and when he ran the league, you know, like, you know, he would come after you, you know, and then you know, uh, the commissioner would uh, pummel you with fines. Yeah, wait, <laughs> is, is he actually is Stern actually like calling you in those situations, like uh, directly when he's upset with you? No, he calls you in. And oh, then, really? Then, go to the principal. Like you, office. Then, you know, the principal's <laughs> office. Yeah. The, the, I, I was in there one time. He's got, he had an amazing office. I'm sure it's still the same ones, right? I mean, <laughs> it's high up, and you know, as uh, Russ Granick was his deputy uh, commissioner. Uh, Dave Checkets was my boss at the Knicks, and then um, this was in all those Miami Nick fights. Oh boy! So I think Miami came in before us, and then I came in a- after us, and 
he was mfing me and like <laughs> like walking stalking me like prey you know like, <laughs> you know, like walking around right and and then mf me and then basically blew out of his office and then russ granick was there to like be yeah not a good cop but you know nicer version but the commissioner was flying somewhere and he forgot his ticket and so he had to come back in. It sort, of, it sort of lost some of its uh, influence, you know, as he sort of skulked back that in. That is yeah. terrific. Yeah. Like yeah. you think you're leaving the stage, and then you're like, oh, yeah, wait, bad, a, wait, wait a wait, wait a That's second. back when you had to have the hard ticket. Oh, right? yeah, 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 exactly. I would no, no. definitely send somebody back in for that shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> that is fantastic. Was he, was he an intimidating, like, dude to – I mean, you're in a different position, well, I guess, because you're a coach, but – he Stern just seems like he'd be an intimidating guy. Well, he's a much different. Uh, uh, his tenor and tone is much different than Adam Silver, which is Adam Silver is more um, player friendly, coach friendly. You know, um, you know, uh, David Stern was more of an autocrat. You know, yeah. he reminds me, you know, of uh, some politicians that we see uh, today. Um, you know, so. Yeah, very, very interesting style. But you have to now remember, when he took over, uh, this league was in shambles. Yeah. You know, drugs and, you know, it was pre-Magic uh, and Bird, you know. But I would say, you know, Magic and Bird, Jordan had the lion's share of – they should get the lion's share. But, you know, as much as I disagreed with much of how David Stern did his business, it would be wrong to say – you know, to then try to say that he didn't have a huge impact. And, you know, he had an article in Sports Illustrated now that's just as condescending towards people and, you know, and all this. It's just, you know, they say he's not looking back. It's like all he's doing, just crushing people left and right. Oh my God. You know, and it's just like, you know, but it's, uh, like I said, it, it's reminiscent to me of guys in politics today at the highest levels. Yeah. Like that narcissistic, you know, tendency but you know listen it worked for him uh in in his professional commissionership it's just different now and i think adam silver you know um is just totally different style but doing a great job as well you know that's um confrontation with the the authority of the league can you remember like the worst argument you ever got in with a player or like, if if you ever had something where you're just like, man, this is uncomfortable right now. If it was at practice, or you know, there was there was, you know, conference. Bill Parcells used to say this, and and I think there's a, a lot of truth to it. Confrontation clears the air. It's when you don't confront issues that I think then they fester and they become really problematic. When you know, a player knows exactly where a coach stands, even if he doesn't agree with it. And a coach knows where a player stands, even if they're not agreeing on the issue. Uh, at least there is communication and understanding. And so, um, listen, there were some humorous ones. <laughs> and then there was some also some like, you know, like high, yeah. strong, you know. Um, the, the, the best humorous ones was... <laughs> We had a, a rookie at the Knicks named LeVar Postel. This was when Sprewell and Houston were our best players. He went to St. John's. St. John's. Yeah. Academic, uh, all Big East, right? And he went on. LeVar Postel is a great story. He played a couple years in the in the NBA, and then he went, I think he played, but then he went in, and I think he, uh, he went to the Army. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he did like, you know, 
some great stuff. Um, but it, great guy, high energy, a little bit undersized, whatever. So he's not playing. He's a second-round pick. He's not playing his rookie year. So we had this thing like um, about rebounding, whether it's factually totally true or not. Every, basically, every coach does it, that a ball will rebound at the opposite angle it's shot. So say it's shot from a 45-degree angle. It's going to rebound to the opposite side at 45-degree, half the distance to which it was shot from. Okay. Yeah. So if it's a twenty footer, it's going to rebound ten feet, right? So what? Right. You know, just basically, to, you know, don't run in and have the ball bounce over your head, right? <laughs> so we're watching a film after a game, and uh, we're not our guards aren't rebounding the ball, right? So you know they're not getting the long loose rebound. So I stop it, and the ball is being shot from like uh, twenty four feet out past the three point line. So I say. And I think I'm giving him a layup. I said, LeVar, if the ball is shot from 24 feet and it was at, at the 45, where's it going to rebound to? <laughs> and he had half of it. He says, opposite side, half the distance. I said, good. Where is that? <laughs> he, put his, he put his hands in his head, and it seemed like it was like going on forever. Like, it's like, 10 seconds 20 seconds and suddenly he pops up like there's been a moment of revelation and says coach i don't know i majored in spanish and and spreewell said and spreewell said well then give him the fucking answer in spanish <laughs> so, and see that's that's what i loved about spreewell too you know that is incredible yeah spreewell like like <laughs> he didn't love me, believe me. He did not love me every day. Yeah. Or maybe most days. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe any day, to be honest. But but one thing I loved about Spreewell, like when you – and I don't know how you uh, as a player now – players to me now are, are – are, they they don't tell you the truth like when you ask as a coach. So you may say, what do you think about this? And they'll tell you what you want to hear more often than they'll tell you the, the truth, right? Spreewell would always tell you the truth. Like oh. what, even if he it was in direct opposition to what he thought you thought, he had no problem saying that's one of the things I loved. You, you could tell him the truth, and he would tell you the truth. Now, I would say oftentimes our truths did not like align. <laughs> yeah, align. <laughs> no. But but that you know like you know like we would always talk about his performances like. Back in the day, you used to play a lot of afternoon games, particularly in the playoffs, because you know they'd have the tw- you know one o'clock game or three o'clock game. And Spreewell at seven thirty, I'm taken. Spreewell at noon. Oh, that was no. tough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Some rough sledding sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So you know we we would have general chats about you know that, but he was he was awesome. Like in that way, and you knew when you put him out there. Like today, guys are like I would say guy. There's not as many guys who love to compete. I don't think mm. they love to work out. You know, you get him in a one-on-o workout. You, you watch out before the game. I've never seen anything like this. Spreewell would not like cones and chairs and all that. No, I'm, five on five, let's go. Yeah, yeah, he could compete. Let's yeah. go. I like that the one-on-o workout. Like no, now the workouts are like crazy now. Oh no, no, they do like no. They love putting on yoga pants and like <laughs> stretching and like no, but it's it's amazing. And I was saying all the time, the big difference is now is. When I 
came into the NBA back in 89, I think it was, um, you didn't like these after practice workouts, like, or before practice, it was very loose. Right. But what the guys did every day without organically, it wasn't coach driven. They played one-on-one every day. I mean, literally every day after, and you practiced every day too, basically you'd have one day a week off, but basically you practiced every day you didn't play minus Sunday. Right. And so, and then after practice, and I wouldn't say it was like a hundred percent all out effort, but like playing one-on-one is a huge way to learn to get better. And now very rarely do people play one-on-one. Why, why do you think it doesn't happen now? I'm not sure how, why it's evolved. I think the, the, uh, trainers and all that, they have a lot of stuff going on. Two ball dribbling with tennis balls and light bulbs and like you know they got a lot they got a lot of stuff going but learning how to compete learning how to really compete against guys of like the superior talent and being able to get your shot off and prevent guys, it's not easy and one-on-one is a, is a great teaching tool that i think is underutilized today can you remember see like i mean how often do you have some sort of like aggressive disagreement with a coach or manager or whatever throughout your career. I don't know if it's like aggressive, but um, I've all. I mean, I've always. Uh, I don't like we talked about like the tension and like you yeah. know, letting it linger. I don't. I don't. I don't do that. So it's like if, if you I feel see, something right I feel away, something, or if I see like a problem or something with a player, or coach, anything, me like pertaining to me, I'm going to talk to, talk about it right away. Interesting. So I don't even let it get like. See, know, and I, I, or crazy or anything like that. I want all clear air. Like, let's be transparent. Everybody, you got a problem? Let's, let's handle it. Well, it's interesting you said that. It kicked into this. I was reading this article today about a Green Bay Packer was uh, told basically not to run it out. Yeah. And he fumbles. And so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a chance to go on a two-minute drive and win the game. And so when he was talking to the media yesterday, what he talked about was, we say we're a family, but we got all these anonymous leaks letting every you know everybody's taking cover and it goes to uh, i i i hearken for the day where player goes to player and say hey you were told not to do that that's some bs but now it's you leak it to your friendly media guy to buy favor for yourself twitter twitter yeah like like direct confrontation or direct communication confrontation sometimes has this negative connotation and it's not it's like if, if there's a problem, like you were saying, like if you see it, you saw it, you said it, and then it's over. Especially with something like that because everybody saw that and like everybody knows the story. Right. So there's there's got to be some tension in the locker room if nobody went up to him and said, hey, bro, that was that was some bullshit. Yeah. So if nobody had said that to him yet, then I'm sure it's like tension in their locker room still. Right. And and now he's dealing with like what he called his teammates out on us. You say we're a brotherhood. Yeah. Well, brother, families don't do that where they rat rat each other out and and I get his point like he was wrong probably I, I'm not I don't know the specifics but they're just as wrong to leak it out like yeah. go and tell him go, go and tell him that's and, it. And, and then you can say something publicly if you want to and put your name to it and put your name to it after you after you've addressed your teammate do, do you guys think is that is that different today like is that significantly different today than it used to be where guys think, will in, put in their... locker rooms and clubhouses yeah with how those things are handled yeah it's, it's it's amazing to me that like even with the whole Le'Veon Bell situation and the, and the lineman coming out and saying well you know I make this much and he you know well I mean this guy's scoring touchdowns and you know what I'm saying like yeah. I mean I just don't it, it's just weird to me like teammates speaking on other teammates 
contracts of money and stuff like that. That, that was a weird. I, I, I didn't understand that one either. That I weird. totally agree. I, <clears throat> it used to be an unwritten rule. You didn't, you didn't get into other people's business as far as contractual disputes yeah. or anything. Guys <clears throat> excuse me, like that. Yeah, like, you don't do that. You know, like you would always be able to, you know, you always know the team is going to try to get the player to sign for as little as they can. And then the player is going to try to get as much as they can. And the teammates are going to su- support their teammates because they know when it comes around to them that they want that same support. Sure. Um, and so I, I was shocked by that. I, and again, like to me, um, a little bit even last year with the the Spurs situation with Kawhi, yeah, well, yeah, you know, like where they had a couple guys say, "I'm not saying really bad things, but certainly not super supportive things." I was surprised by that. And then, you know, this year, like J- Jimmy Butler wants more money. It seems like, but he's taken out his teammates in the process and and leaking that, you know, Wiggins and Towns aren't winners. Man, I I, I just I don't get it. Yeah, that's crazy. That situation's so weird to me because, hey. it, like, I, I, it, it, what, what was strange to me is like it never was made clear what exactly the holdup was, right? Like, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, Jimmy Butler's not showing up to camp or whatever, or wants to be traded, and it's like, w- where did this come from? Like, there wasn't like with the Kawhi thing, there was a a buildup for a while, right? And it was like. All right, you know he's not happy with what's been said. There's some. Conf- I mean, it still was murky, as all hell. But it was like there was some buildup with the Jimmy thing. Like at the end of last year, I don't know. I I don't feel like there was any talk at the end of last year about like, oh, Jimmy Butler's unhappy. He wants a trade. Maybe I'm wrong. Am I remembering no, I, wrong? I didn't but- hear anything about that. But I, I think he thought he was going to get a max deal after last year. Yeah. You know. So I think that's where that kind of stemmed from. Well, they they offered him the max that you could offer. Like to get the 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 higher bump, he has to wait to the end of his contract to the end of this year. Now, that's why he wants to be traded now. Like a little bit of it is, I believe, is that he doesn't want to be in Minnesota itself. He would yeah. rather be in a bigger market, and he has to get traded so that that team has his bird right, so they can give him the max. Now, I'm gonna be saying, I'm not. I'll be surprised if somebody gives him the full boat for the full five years. Yeah. Why? Just, uh, just age, because of how this health, plays out. Age, health, but also he's a he's a he's a really good player. Like you know, whatever whatever number you want to put, top twenty five, top twenty. But he's not, you know, either in Chicago or in Minnesota. He didn't drive winning. Like they didn't win playoff series because of him. You know, when he was been the best player on a team, they haven't won a playoff series in either Chicago or Minnesota. That doesn't mean he's not a really good player. He is, but I just it's not like Durant or, you know, of that nature. Yeah. That's that's the interesting thing with Butler to me is like I I wonder what teams are going to offer to him if he hits free agency because it feels like everybody's just been giving out maxes to to, you know, talented people, whether or not they think they're truly great or not. But now that the cap isn't going up and up and up and up anymore. You have to be a little bit more conscious of that decision. Like, for example, Andrew Wiggins never gets the deal that he got, I don't believe, if he's a free agent now compared to two years ago, right? Like, Well, well, and you think about it, like, you can give him the max amount of money, but that doesn't mean you have to give him the max amount of years. True. I think think Jimmy Butler is going to get wherever he's at. He's going to get max money. The maximum a team can give him, they're going to give him the money. 
but five years now he'll be he'll be making over forty million at thirty four with some injury issues. I, I think it's more likely a team will give him three years, four years, and then he's going to have to decide. You know, maybe a team will give him five, and he's going to have to decide between. You know, does the team that trades for him it will be the only team that can get him for five years if Minnesota does trade him? So it'll be interesting. You know, will that team, because you trade for him, does that mean you're willing to commit to the five years or will you get into negotiations? And I think, uh, Ryan, you make a good point. I think it's going to be harder for really good players to get max money for max years. I think the Durants will always get it. Yeah, right. 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 And, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, the Curries, the yeah, those, yeah, those are, guys, those guys, right? They even get as they age, yeah. because they'll be paid a lot. You know, like even as they get older, for what they've done previous to drive winning. You know, yeah. like they've driven winning to the highest level. I, I um, I, like even I was thinking about this in regard because obviously I do Nets games, and I was thinking about it with D'Angelo Russell, right? Like there was a time a couple years ago where just because like he's shown talent and he is. You know, with former number two pick. Max Deal. Yeah, Max Deal. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you just get a Max Deal. Now it's like, I don't know, like, he may, maybe he will have an unbelievable year this year and get a huge contract at the end of it. Or maybe he's going to sign somewhere next year for $5 million in one year. You know, like, I think teams are not going to be able to. I think everybody is just working a little bit more wisely or efficiently. Just like baseball. Just yeah. Like baseball. Yeah. Same thing. Right. Just exactly. Working a little smarter. Yeah. You know, just trying to you know make sure you get the max out of you know the, these guys that you're paying. Yeah. Because you know? obviously with the Nets, you know what they did when you know bringing in KG yeah, and right. Pierce, like you don't want to do that. Anymore. Right. You know exactly. What I'm saying? You kind of ruin the franchise for a little bit, so you just got to work a little smarter. Yeah. You because you pay for your mistakes, like you do. Right. And I think the thing about that is. It used to be that the general managers who traded for a player who had potential then to validate their move to mm. trade could make compound mistake by then pay, overpaying, overpaying that. Yeah. And now I think they're being much more disciplined in they're evaluating them no matter how they got to you, whether you drafted them, traded for them, or you had no part in bringing them in. You're judging them just on, you know, what what they can do for you, and I I think you're in, it's very interesting, you know what what does he get? Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's hard to know, and I think, but when you when a guy shows you that he can help you win, like putting up numbers in the NBA on a twenty five to thirty win team, there's so many players yeah, in this world who can do that. that. We do, yeah, because yeah. somebody's got to score exactly. Somebody's got to score. Yeah. Empty stats, yeah. Yeah. yeah, empty stats. I, I, yeah. Exactly. What I always say is, have you ever seen a game with no points and no rebounds? Right. Like, I mean, right? You, it, the worst NBA team still scores. 85 points a night, 90 points a night, right? Somebody's somebody, got to get the bucket. Somebody bro. is, right? <laughs> somebody like, got to get a double-double. So, like. See, and that's <laughs> different than baseball. Like, yeah. you can go up there on a bad team. You still got to be able to hit that ball. Like, I, right. Or get the guy out. You know, like, that's it's true. so different. Like, in football, it's the same thing. Like, there's going to be completions and there's going to be, you know, yardage gained. and But baseball, that's different. That's different. You can get crushed yeah. well, right. <laughs> yeah. well think about it and, and for a while we used to see in baseball especially come award season guys were penalized for what was going on with their teams right but now 
that's not the case. No, right? it's, all, like, it's all about stats. Yeah, and like, it, you know, they figure out, you know, if you pitch in this park or on this team. Yeah, exactly. If you win the Cy Young and stuff. So, no, nah, it's, 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 it's a like lot different. ERA plus instead yeah, of ERA. Yeah, I don't know none of that shit, bro. <laughs> I have no, no idea but when any you're, of those when, numbers. When you're like, pitching, though, uh, yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. It's like. I don't know about you, but I got to try to get this guy out. No He's matter good. what. Right, yeah, right. I don't, I don't, don't, I'm not thinking about anything else right. about, but getting this guy out. If I got to drop my arm down or make some shit up, that's what I'm trying to do. That's you know right. what I mean? Like, no matter what, I'm just trying to compete and get it out. Like, that's it. At some point, it's too much, right? If, if you, to me, I think, if I go to the mound and I'm like, all right, in a 2-1 count, in innings three through six, when I've thrown a cutter on the previous pitch, like... He hits two twelve in this quadrant. That's and what two, Fulton and Davis was doing in that oh. in that uh, Atlanta game against oh, really? the Dodgers. He kept taking his hat off and he was reading like a card. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, bro? man, this is the game. Like, get out there and throw pitches. <laughs> like, this card ain't gonna help oh. you on the mound. Like, well, it ain't nothing yeah, they do. had that controversy whether it was legal or not. Yeah, right? yeah, they were making a big deal. Yeah. Out of oh, it. he kept pulling out out of his hat or his back pocket. It was like a little card, like like a cheat sheet. I, I'm gonna say when I came into the NBA. A guy I'd worked with at Providence College uh, for Rick Pitino. We were both assistants. He was already working for the Utah Jazz. His name is Gordon Chiesa. Coach forever. It was out in Utah forever. And when he went out there, he was in charge of putting uh, together all the stuff on the board. And back in college, you, you, these scouting reports would be extensive. Like you would like be in talk and pregame for like probably 10, 15 minutes. Jerry Sloan was a coach out there, and he goes, hey, when you, uh, when you do the scouting report before the game, Three minutes, max, three minutes. And he goes, why? He goes, well, when I was a player, and uh, and Jerry Sloan was a great player for the Chicago Bulls, Dick Mata was his coach. And he so Dick Mata was going through the Horns play or this play. He, all Jerry Sloan said he thought about was, in 15 minutes, I got to guard Oscar fucking Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, and he goes, and that's the way these guys are thinking too. <laughs> you know, you want to give them help? Yeah, but they got to like actually like go out there and guard, you know. And that's, a, and that's the real truth, you know. It's like, you know, when you're up there, like all that information and all that, it's, it comes down to those guys you're facing are pretty damn good. Yeah. And, and I got to try to go. Out. Yeah. And I think, I don't know about you, but I, I was, I love the Houston Astros. You know, I, I, I thought like when they were playing against Boston, like they didn't attack them as much as like, you know, they, they had a lot of walks, a lot of hips, batsmen, and they were being really fine with their pitch. I don't know what you saw. This no. is an amateur, but like, I'm like, why in the playoffs would you not attack them? I know they got an unbelievable lineup, but Putting guys on is like I think it's just uh, two. I didn't watch any of that series because I was just miserable. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> the the Boston they do a good job of just making you work. And Garrett Cole and you know Verlander throws the ball over the plate. Yeah, but sometimes Garrett Cole can get like a little erratic, and they'll make you work. They won't. They they're so disciplined that they won't swing at a slider. They you know they take the pitches inside. They kind of take away what you do well. So you have to kind of find a different way to kind of get them out. Wow. And if you can't in the middle of the game, you get stuck, then you're going to walk five, six guys, and they're going to have a couple hits, and it's just going to be a, a tough game. So I have a question on that. Like, is that, like, coached in – or is that, like, individuals – they just put together lineups that that have that plate discipline? They just try to put together lineups that have that plate dip, discipline. And sometimes, like, for me, different times against Boston, they'll come out swinging. So I, I have to, like, figure out what I'm, what I'm doing, you know, early in the game. Like, the first inning, second inning, they'll come out swinging – and then I can throw my cutter, go in deep, and just not throw the ball over the plate. Sometimes they come out and they take in everything, and then I have to really throw the ball over the plate 
two seamers, throw my cutter over the plate, and then try to get them to swing and get uh, soft contact. Do you ever have, like, in your, like, again, I'm bombarding you with questions. I'm sorry about that. I love it. We, it's but great. Like, <laughs> it's great. Like, do you ever walk out there and say, oh, man. Joe West today, or some umpire, <laughs> just some umpire that like s- squ- not, I'm not looking for names, but like that squeeze you. He gave him after game four. Oh, huh? I said he gave it after game four. See, uh, had one umpire in particular he wasn't happy with. He since apologized. Oh, hold on, I didn't, I didn't yeah. even know that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's no, 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 It's all good. It's all good. But I was just always two C two four. It's not even the day of. It's the night before because the guy's at first base and you know he's coming. And I know he's coming, so I'm standing on the bench and the guy's at first base. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to throw the ball over the plate today. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, like, the other, and some other guys, you, you can bite a I'm little like, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. going to be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even like at the beginning of the series, you see somebody at second base, you pitching the third day, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> so hey, Aaron, funny. you want to move me up a day? I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Do, do you think Rick Patino gets a job in the NBA? I saw, I saw that yeah. recently, like he was, he was, you know, looking to, to try to get in again. Well, if you look at all the facts that have come out in the, in the college trial, there's nothing that's been where anybody's been able to uncover something that says he knew about it, right? Yeah. So, he, so to me, he, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he was the only coach really who's, you know, who's paid as a head coach for this innuendo. He lost his job. Not for a fact. He's not on trial. He's not nothing. He just, and that's because he had a couple other, you know, incidents prior to that, that I think the school just, they didn't want to go any further. This guy's an unbelievable coach, like incredible. I worked for him for nine months and uh, to this day, it's the best coaching job I've ever seen anyone do in any single season. We had Billy Donovan, who's the head coach at um, Oklahoma City Thunder, Providence College had been the laughing stock of the Big East, and in 1987 we go to the Final Four uh, because of his greatness and Coach Patino's greatness. That was the first year of the uh, three-point shot, and oh. so because of Coach Patino's NBA experience, we used the three-point shot more than any other college team. Every other college team was basically fighting it. We came out like firing, and then we we defended it well too. And my point is. I hated how it ended for him. This guy's a Hall of Famer, legendary coach, couple championships. You know, he was an excellent uh, coach for the New York Knicks. Uh, and so I'd love to see him get a shot. Now, whether an owner or a general manager, because he's been in college basketball s- so long, whether they would say, hey, we're going to hire him as a head coach. But I think he should explore um, coming back as an assistant mm-hmm. in the NBA Uh because once you get – if he gets his foot back in the door as an assistant, somebody will hire him. Yeah. He's yeah. a youthful 66. He's not – by any stretch, he's not an old 66. He's, he is energetic. He is uh, a visionary. He's, he's a great, great basketball coach. Jeff, you're a guy who obviously like people are always going to bring up because of your – what you've accomplished as a coach and because you're also always around the game when openings come up, right? And – I, I I always wonder this, like if you, if there's, you, you have a lot of relationships now in this game, right? And you know a lot of these guys. Like, so let's say if there's an opening that comes up and they're really interested in you, but the guy before was somebody who you're close with, how much does that affect your level of interest in a job or not? Like how did, oh how no, that, I mean, you know, I have my guys, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like that I'm, 
that I've worked with before. No, I mean that. Listen, not everything's a great fit yeah. for any number of different reasons, or I wouldn't be a great fit for them. And so, yeah, it has to be the right fit. But I would never, ever, like, take over for, uh, you know, one of my friends. Right, oh, my exactly. Goodness. No, that's what I'm saying. No. Like, right? Yeah. No, but I'm going to say, yeah. you know, like, but I'll tell you what, it's hard, though. Like, the hard one is not coming from the outside. The hard one is when you're working for a guy that you really respect and they let him go and now in the season oh. and now you're asked to be the interim i was an interim for the knicks i, I had just met don nelson and but I, I really liked me unbelievable coach and he got fired and i got the interim job and that's how i got the nick job from there you know who uh larry drew with tyrone can you oh, believe he got yeah. fired i know <laughs> three straight trips to the finals six games in i'm sorry you're out but uh, <laughs> but now his his real good friend larry drew is there and now he's being asked, you know, do you want to be interim coach? And what he's being smart in, he's saying, I'll do it, but you're going to give me more money and more years, mm. or I'm not just going to be this fodder to, to to take losses in this rebuilding project. Like right. that, because I I do wonder that too about the financial aspect of right. If you're if you're an assistant, are you just supposed to like triple the workload, or, or I don't know if that would actually be the well, case, and not like get a bump? If no, they would give you a bump, give you a bump, but yeah. like how much? Yeah, yeah, that could you know, be up for debate. Again, yeah, I remember when I was here with the Knicks, you know, and they um, uh, they let, and this is how different the Knicks now are. And it reminds me of like where the Yankees are, right? Yeah, Don Nelson got fired uh, 60, I think 60 games into his first season with the Knicks. I think he had a five-year contract. So they, I don't know, he got big money for the day, whatever that was. He got he got fired 60, I mean, 60 or 61 games in. And people would think, man, you guys were doing bad, huh? Charles Oakley had been out for six weeks, okay? He had been hurt. We were 34 and 27. Oh my God! Thirty-four and twenty-seven, and so that's how much. Like the young people are used to the Knicks losing. Yeah, right. Right. Back then, we were winning at such a high level that thirty-four and twenty-seven was like no. <laughs> right? You know, this ain't gonna work. No, think about that. That's how that is that's crazy. Like, that's that Yankee. Crazy. That's Yankeeish. You know, yeah. that is. You know? Yeah, it right. Is. Well, think about it. Yankees make the you know go game seven of the ALCS. There's a managerial change this no. year, right? Like no, I mean, and I, yeah. I'm not looking, for, but like yeah. as a coach, you're saying like, and I even heard them say like, and this is where like you know GMs like they always get the last say, right? So they say you need a new voice. The manager never gets to say, well, we need a new guy picking the team, right? You know <laughs> they don't get that, right? So it's like Joe Girardi, like like after all he did, like think about it. That's why. You know, goes back to Le'Veon Bell. Like, hey, this is a short time. You get what you can. Yeah. Never be, don't ever be bought off by that fake family talk. It's all fake, <laughs> right? It's like you when don't, you, you don't you don't learn that until you have to leave your very first team, though, because you think it's a family. That's who drafted you. You there? Like you're young when you get to the organization. Whatever, whatever sport it is, you're young when you get there. So you're in love with the city. You're in love with the organization. And then they just fucking cut your balls off. <laughs> <laughs> no, and as long as you – and when you learn that, that doesn't mean you give any less no, effort to no, the – No, no, but you no, have and to you, learn it. And, yeah. you, and you, know? you, like, you can like the guys, but, like, I, I used to hate when they said, 
we're a family. No, we're not. Like, who gets traded from a family? Who gets fired from a family? Who gets cut from a family? Who gets in contract negotiations or stalemates with, with family members? No, this is business. Yeah. This is business. Now, we're playing, the, we're in the, you know, business of basketball or baseball, whatever it may be, but, like, you're right. Until you get into it where a team, you know, screws you, it's hard to, and it's not even like it's not even like screws you. I mean, it's just you know if you get traded, like you know, I like for me, I, I thought I played in Cleveland my whole career, right? Like I thought I'd be in Indian uniform for twenty years, right? No matter what, and I was fine with that. Yeah, you know, that's where I grew up. So I get traded. I'm coming off the plane. I'm devastated. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't it, realize that that you was, weren't expecting. Or, I mean, I knew I was getting traded, yeah, but yeah. I was still like, fuck, yeah. they really traded me. Like, yeah, this is me. Like I'm, I got drafted twentieth overall. Like I'm your guy. Yeah, and you traded me. Like. That's no, that, that's in, yeah. you know it is because and, and it's like every player, no matter how good you are, is tradable. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe Durant's not tradable, but if they said James for Durant, there's going to be pause. Yeah, right? Right. exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like so. No, I'm just saying, like you know, like in basketball, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been traded. Right? Think about it. Yeah, all-time leading scorer. You can make a case he's the greatest of all time. Well, if he got traded, then I'm saying everybody can get traded. It's right? true. Hey, now, you bring up Durant. We were just talking about this a little bit before. It, it feels like, you know, he's been doing similar contracts in Golden State, right, where he's like one year and a player option, and it's sort of been assumed he's coming back, coming back, coming back. This year, it feels like everybody's assuming is the last year. It, do, you, do you feel like it'd be smart for him to – like everybody's saying the Knicks. Do you think that would be a smart move for him to like go on to someplace else after this? Well, I go back to with the LeBron James thing. Um, I never expected James to leave Cleveland for Miami, nor go from Miami back to Cleveland, <laughs> nor leave Cleveland again to go to LA. <laughs> so, and, and what it taught me is unless you know a person's priorities, yeah, then you really don't know like what they're going to do. So... I have no idea what Durant's priorities are, although I did read him. I think he said, I'm not going for the discount anymore. I, I want to get a massive deal. And I think what he, he took a little bit less, but I, let, let's, let's not cry a river like for taking a million less. So instead of making $24 million, you're making $23 million. Right. You get a ring. Yeah, so right, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, but, he, but he did sacrifice length of contract and a little bit of money. But the point is, is... You know, I think the the organization has a decision. Do we want to pay all these guys the max we can, knowing that we're going to win? But business wise, maybe we don't do as well. Mm. Um, and player wise, I think they all have to decide: is this situation that I came to uh, still what I think is in my best interest? Now, I, listen, I don't look at Durant any different as a player now than when he was in Oklahoma City. I'm not a guy to judge him and say, "Oh, he's a better player because he won a championship here." I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, but he went to uh, Golden State for a reason, and whatever the reasons were, seems like it's worked out well for him. But I think what James has taught us all—it's a different—it's uh, a different time. I was about to say that's a different time. It's a yeah. different time. These guys, it's a lot different. It's about business. It's about you know them wanting to feel comfortable and and you know kind of live their best lives <laughs> i know it but and you can't begrudge when, hey listen when you earn free agency you earn free agency yeah and for sure. you, you don't begrudge now fans are going to get upset yeah but you know 
you can't worry about what the fans say. Well, I also think this, man. Like, if the cool thing about it as an NBA fan is we're almost like that move away from having some pretty incredible uh, competitive diversity in the league. Like, if you think about right now what Giannis is and will be for Milwaukee, right? The young stars in Philly, what Boston's built there. Yeah. In the West, after the Warriors, there is less separation between the rest of the teams, right? Yeah. But, but like, you know, Utah has, you know, with Mitchell and Gobert, what can they build around that? Denver. Yeah, what Denver's doing. I just, it feels like outside of the Warriors, there's a lot of, it's not like, oh, everyone else is mediocre. It's like, no, no, there's a lot of other really good teams that are really close in ability level. So if you just separate them, do we end up getting this ridiculously intriguing league that still has the star power but just without the obvious you know goliath and the david goliath like in i i think you could you could be i know that's not typical nba usually it's one or two teams winning multiple championships over a decade you know but it just feels like there's so many stars in the league right now if that team breaks up i know you don't want that as a double I don't, I, I'm, I'm fine but they got, I mean, they run three out of the last four. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they about to win four yeah, out of the last five. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so I mean, it's good. I mean, especially from a, a franchise that hadn't won in a long time. Yeah, so. you, you already got all. Yeah, your I mean, How it, about Clay last night? Man? That was unbelievable. Oh that was my unbelievable. Gosh, it's ridiculous. You know, I didn't but, see the game live, but so I you know, click back and you know how you can go on, and so you see every shot, right? And you're like, some of those are well defended. Those are <laughs> yeah. big time shots. I mean, like the shot making, particularly off the dribble is so superior to what it once was it's 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 uncanny what they can do and like the thing i loved about it best is curry passing it to him to tie his record and like being happy for his teammate because i have found it's under talked about but to me being genuinely happy for others success is chemistry mm-hmm. on a team it, you know people always say you know, it's it's chemistry's hard to define. Well, if you start there, do you have guys who truly enjoy other people's success or quietly resent that same success? And it looks to me like like a Curry, who's been the two time MVP, won it all, you know, three time champion. You know, like he's happy for Clay Thompson to break his record. That's pretty cool. I feel like they all pull for each other too, and I feel like it, it shows in their game, like just extra passes, different things, like playing defense. I think, I think you can see it, and I, and I feel like, you, like you're right, you can see when when it's not the same, you know, when when they don't have that chemistry, and you know, you see guys do different things, and nobody gets excited, you mm. know, and that, that tells you a lot about that guy's personality or what that where that guy stands on the team. Who is the team you think that has the best chance to beat them this year? I would say Boston. Yeah. I like how Boston, uh, Boston's an elite, elite defensive team. Uh, Boston has the length at multiple positions uh, to match up as well as anyone. And plus, you're coming from the East, right? So you're going to, you don't have to navigate your way through as much traffic in the West. You could lose in the first round, right? If you're the two seed. I can't see the Warriors losing in a first round, but any other team I could see losing even without home court advantage in the first round. So I would say Boston. Now, does Boston have enough offense, uh, you know, to beat Golden State? That, that would be a question, but I like how they match up with them. Hmm. What would you, you know, you know what it's like to prepare for a, 
a juggernaut. Like you had to deal with those those Bulls teams. I mean, what what is the mental attrition that you go through when you're trying to climb them out? Like the teams are dealing with trying to top Golden State. Well, you know, like at least back in in the day, we never thought it was insurmountable. Like. You know, it wasn't like we were getting swept in the playoff series. We were, like, losing in seven, losing in six. You know, like, it was like – but every time it came down, you know, like they always talk about the triangle offense, uh, we got beat by triangle 23. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what we got beat by. You know, pass, 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 yeah, okay. And then, like, when they got down to it in the fourth quarter, that ball was in his hands and he was – you know, even when you're bringing the double, he, he just had a way of getting to a spot and elevating over. You know, people talk about, you know, the three-point shot. Listen, this guy, he pulled off the greatest athletic feat I've ever witnessed personally, which was he goes to play baseball for a year and a half. He decides to come because they're having a uh, strike in baseball. He comes, says, heck, you know, I'll just go play pro basketball again. He comes back. I think he plays a game against Indiana, maybe one more game, and then he comes to the Garden. Now, we're the best defensive team in basketball by a lot at that time. Uh, the rules are all for the defense. Basically, the contact that he had to face would be a suspendable offense. Into the <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, it's not a joke. <laughs> Flagrant fouls, flagrant fouls, like you basically had to like swing at somebody. Like we had John Starks clothesline Scottie Pippen in a playoff game, and it was like literally up in the air, clothesline, two shots, no, no not flagrant, two shots, shoot your, shoot your free throws, <laughs> go back the other way, right? That's how it was. So Jordan, and Jordan did not have, so everything was, he'd set out a year and three quarters, been back for 10 days. He is playing the best defense in basketball with the rules all slanted to the defense. And the three-point shot wasn't a big factor, so um, he didn't have all this floor spacing. Like, it, it was a very constricted floor for him. He got 55 on us at Damn. the Garden. Oh, my god! 55. Now, 55 then in those days is like 75 today. Yeah. And then he passes to Bill Winnington, right, for the, as we doubled him for the winning hoop, right? And I, I walked back in the locker room. I'm saying – the guy had just picked up a basketball again 10 days ago. <laughs> and he got 55. 55. Against the best defensive team in the NBA. And all the rules are, and we're beating him up. And we're, and, and like, you know, everybody says you can't be in ba basketball shape or baseball until you play yeah, that yeah. sport, right? This guy is just like in walking off the street. It's ridiculous. No, it was a, it was a joke. It, it just like, I mean, but he was like, he was that special. And sometimes I think these basketball fans, you know, like, because time goes by, everybody says, yeah, he was great. No, no, no. Go back and watch film. Yeah. Like, yeah. like watch old games. Like, unbelievable. So special. I, I mean, he, what was it like when you guys are, what do you say about, when you're in the, you're in the locker room, right? And you're preparing to face Jordan in a big game. Like, what are you, what are you telling your team about that? Like, this is why my all time, you know, we lost to him in 94. Um, I'm sorry, in 93, the Charles Smith where it got multiple blocks. We oh, went up yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the series. But before game one, we, we had, um, uh, you know, Coach Riley was the head coach, and I was um, 
an assistant, but our top assistant was this guy named Dick Carter, who has since passed away. He would have been a great coach in any sport because he was tough and nasty, right? So Coach Riley always used to love to give pregame speeches, and they were long. I always, we always sat in the same spots. So I sat in between uh, Anthony Mason uh, and Charles Oakley. And so Coach Riley goes into uh, uh, this whole story about the scorpion and the frog. And scorpions can't swim. And the scorpion asks the frog, can you give me a ride from this side of the lake to that side of the lake? And uh, the frog said, no. And the scorpion said, why not? He said, because you sting frogs. And I'll, if you sting me, I'm going to drown and die. And the scorpion says, well, I can't swim. So why would I sting you? Because then all, we'll both die. And well, I wouldn't do that. And they, they banter back and forth. Now, this is like 25 minutes before... <laughs> <laughs> playing Michael Jordan and the Bulls in 93, right, right? Right, So he's going on, and he finally he goes, uh, finally the scorpion, uh, the frog relents and says, um, sure, I'll give you a ride. So scorpion hops on him halfway across the lake. Lo and behold, the scorpion stings the frog. <laughs> and as they're drowning, going down to their death, the frog asks the scorpion, why did you sting me? And the scorpion said, because that's what I do. I sting frogs. <laughs> and it just hung there, right? Now, if you've ever been in an NBA locker room, the more straight up they sit, the more they're understanding like whatever's being talked about. The more the he head tilts, the, the less understanding. So Oakley is basically resting his head on my shoulder as is Mason. And I'm leaning there too. I don't know really. So he just, he, he, he you know, leaves it at that. And so like everybody's just sort of sitting there like, okay. And so he goes, Dick, you have anything to add to Dick Carter, this crusty old assistant? He goes, <laughs> and he, he walks out. He's like probably 65, 60, you know, 70, something, something like that. He walks out. Yeah, Dick, when that little fucking B.J. Armstrong <laughs> starts flipping his mouthpiece, you know, like Curry does, I want someone to go over there and rip it out of his fucking mouth and stick it up his fucking ass <laughs> and so now oakley and and uh mason pop up now that now they're getting and, and, they and, and riley, says, riley goes because that's what we do we sting bulls <laughs> fucking oakley and mason like the football you know where they're popping oh, each other oh, that oh. is you oh man you're oh, it was unbelievable you're i was like up. i've never seen yeah. people like like a basketball team pro hitting each other before the game. <laughs> it was like, oh, my goodness. And the amount of contact in those games, like, it was like. Yo, you yeah, needed that yeah, physicality. Yeah. Uh, was, was, I, I was Oak beating up MJ back then? Because I know they are boys. They were boys. He wouldn't, I would say this. He would hit him, but he wouldn't finish him off. Yeah. Like, the the best one I ever saw with Oakley was, uh, he works in the NBA uh, now, uh, uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Uh-huh. He used to play for Vancouver, and then he went on to Sacramento. But he was, he was unbelievable. So we would always—that uh, was Oakley's matchup. But we would blitz, pick, trap, pick, and rolls. And so when the ball got swung to Raheem, Ewing would close out. Oakley would go back to Ewing's man, right? So every time Ewing closed out, Raheem would shot fake and drive right and go by him, and Ewing would go for the same shot fake, like literally every play, every game. Oh right? my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So it's like. And then Pat would be mad at himself for biting on the shot fake. And I would be like, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but so anyway, he, this was in the third quarter. Like, you know, Raheem's having a good game. And he's like, I think it was the second quarter. 
he shot fakes it and he drives right and Ewing as he's coming down after he bit on the shot fake like reaches out and grab and like hits him so the foul's taken on the floor but you know how NBA players they keep going to the basket and so he goes in there styling like he's like shooting a finger roll and Oakley had rotated back to uh, oh Ewing's man. Oakley came over and leveled him as hard as I ever. This is after. The referees oh didn't even God. know what to call. Like, it was like, and then he stood over him and glared at him. And there were no more drives the rest of the game. Like the whole, the whole team. Oh, my gosh. No, the whole team. Like. There was no more like he was on the he just stood in there. There's no one coming in the lane. Like, that is amazing. No, oh, yeah. I, I love Oak, man. Yeah, he's yeah. like my big brother, man. Yeah, no, no. He, he oh he's I love him. he's hey, gotta be the toughest no, dude, man. The, the best one was we had traded him to to uh uh Toronto. And uh Oak had been in a dispute with someone uh, on the LA Clippers about uh a girl. Oh. And uh he had called this house, this guy answered at his girlfriend's house. So he said, the next time I see you, it's going to be on. So the Clippers had had the 10 o'clock shoot around. Toronto had 11. So uh, the Clippers are done shooting around, and Toronto's coming on, but Oakley's going to – he goes on the court first. And he walks out on the court, and he walks up to the guy, and he just literally beats the shit out of him oh right there on the court. <laughs> As the other Clippers – are standing around acting like they want to get involved, like they're dancing. <laughs> and I can just imagine this was like a Jack Reacher. Like if the lights went out, they would have all been dropped. <laughs> they, they, oh my god! And then he didn't. There was no talk from what I gather. I wasn't there. <laughs> and like everyone's like bat around, like they want to get into it. And then they sort of all just sort of stumble off to the side. And and then you know Oakley starts taking shots at the basket as that guy he he basically knocked out was there all the other clippers and he's like out there by himself <laughs> oh shoot, in, until his teammates come out and it's just like but if people oh like if gosh. people like like can, can you imagine if that happened today? Oh, uh, it'd no. be all, like it'd be yeah. video of it. Yeah. Oh my god, it'd be goodness. all over the place. Like people would be, you know, it'd be all over the place. He'd be kicked out of the league. No, no, nah, he wouldn't be kicked out of the league. You don't think you'd be kicked out of the league no. for doing that today? You go to another team, shoot around, and beat the crap out of somebody? Nah, well, I don't think so. Well, I'm gonna say this. This is the like someone said this. I think it was Dwayne Wade. There's no um, hate in the league anymore. Everybody. Like, I love that the Red Sox and you guys genuinely dislike each other. We right? do this year. This is the first, uh, the last two years. Like, that they yeah. sang, you know, New York, yeah. New York, and that you guys were like, you know, judge singing. Like, like I, you miss that in sport. And, and Wade said it. And so, Oakley, back then, listen, there was like genuine, like, dislike. Yeah. Not that there was like a lack of respect, because everybody, when you you know how good the other teams are, like as, as players, as coaches, like you have great respect for them, right? But like Oak, I'd take him in. My, listen, if it's a fight, I, listen, you can have five. You can have the first. If I, I have first pick, you can have the next five. Yeah. I'm winning the fight. You got Oak. Yeah, yeah I got him. I yeah. like that. There is something about that too, with the genuine competition I like. Like even as much as – as a Yankee guy, it bothers me hearing, like, seeing the Red Sox even after the World Series playing New York, New York. I'm like, but you know what? That's some shit that I would do, though. Y you would. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey. So I'm not mad. Yeah. You yes. may be sweet singing Sweet Caroline next <laughs> exactly. year, right? So exactly. You, do you, you know what? And and it, I, I did my next thought after that, like, oh, you know, it was, this is good. Like, getting the rivalry, like, turning it up a notch, it's good. It's good for it's the good, game. It's good, and the teams are good. And yeah. the teams are young. And yeah. you got Mookie, and you got Judge, you got Devers, you got Andujar. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... 
it's gonna be there for a while. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like it. I like having that genuine hate in there. It's like it just it makes sports fun. It does. Oakley's your number one pick. I understand and, why. And, He's and, my number one pick. In a fight, right? <laughs> hey, I, I've seen a lot of guys like act like they want to fight. He actually relished it. Like, <laughs> yo, no, let let's let's go. And you know what? It doesn't have to be here. It could yeah. be like. In the street, <laughs> anywhere, yeah. Walking up, the, he uh, he choked somebody, uh, somebody else at shoot around too. Oh, the money! Oh, really? Oh right my gosh, man! Preseason, <laughs> preseason game. I saw him get uh, Tyrone Hill. He owed him from a car game. It was like, what? You can't do that. But listen, AI was was messing around. He Tyrone Hill was gonna pay him, but he went over to Oak and was like, man, Tyrone Hill said he wasn't gonna pay you. Oh, so I didn't know that. Oh, like, oh my gosh. And he went over and preseason game. Went over and <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. No, that's like. It was like all a joke until, you know, Oakley uh, took it too serious. Every team needs one of those guys, right? Listen, you, you can't, like, it's not allowed in today's league, but what people don't remember, though, because they remember all these stories, right? He was an unbelievable player. Yeah. Like, you know, Draymond Green, uh, rightfully so, gets gets a lot of, you know, credit, but like, Oakley could shoot it, could guard it, passed, and rebounded in traffic. I mean, listen, he, he was a unbelievable player, and he, he could jump like me. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> you know, six nine, and probably had like one of the worst vertical, <laughs> but unbelievably quick feet. Like best help defender, like for a big that's ever played. We'll get you out of here on this, Jeff. You know, Jeff's in New York because he has to work on Halloween. As he was saying on the broadcast the other night with me, they make him work all the holidays. (laughs) Halloween, Christmas. (laughs) That's it, man. CeCe's a big Halloween guy. Yeah, this is big. This is a big holiday for us. Yeah. My family. What do you guys go? Do you guys do the um, the whole family dresses in theme? Oh, yeah. Do you know what the theme is already? This year? Yeah. Avatar. Oh. Last year it was... uh, Last year, oh, last year was different versions of Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. Oh, that's good. The year before that was X Men. The year before that was Shrek. Now, does that is that a, a family wide vote or or wife just decides? Oh no, it's what? the wife. Get your ass in that fucking costume. Most <laughs> <laughs> of my kids that. don't like it. Especially <laughs> <laughs> my fifteen year old. He's not into it. All good families operate under those premises. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Family photos, <laughs> Halloween, all that shit. Get your ass. How old are your How old are your kids now? Fifteen, thirteen, ten, and eight. So do uh, the ten and eight still like it? They love it. The thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, she's into it because my my ten year old's into it, but my fifteen year old is not into it. He's going out all. like uh, he's under like mom. Dress. I need to just take this picture and I'm taking this costume off. I've got my friends. I'm going to hang <laughs> oh, out. Man. Like he's not into it, but his mom is making him take that picture. I love that. <laughs> is it like a makeup artist who comes it's in and does it? Full. Oh man, yeah. this you is know, gonna go be good. Out, I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. And it's- we get about. I mean, last year we had about twenty five hundred people at the house. Just coming what? up, they block off the streets. The police block off the streets and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> at my house s- for Halloween. Do you, do you sign? Like, do no, people I don't come sign up there? anything. But we, I pass oh. out candy. I'm in the oh. driveway the whole time. I got my costume on. My mom's out there. Her mom's out. Amber's mom's out there. Uh, it's like a big family thing. We love it. That's love awesome. It. That's pretty awesome. cool. Well, yeah. Coach, thank you for doing this. This is so much fun. I love it. Good Absolutely. Great seeing everything. everybody. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Coach. Hope you enjoyed that episode of R2C2. Jeff is just... The man, and he always cracks Cece and I up. Uh, We thoroughly enjoyed having him here. We hope you enjoyed listening to him. We will be back with another new episode next Thursday. And remember, rate, 
review, subscribe. It makes a huge difference uh, for R2C2 when you do. So tell everybody you know, spread the word, keep listening. We love you guys. Peace.